I'm Biz, mom, mommy, mama, and mother. Finally, the identity that was predestined for me. And I'm Teresa. I don't have any kids yet, but I'm curious about parenthood. It sounds fun. This is a show about life after giving life and how magical and effortless it is. Listen with your whole family because you should be together every minute of the day. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, all that worry is for good reason. You are making bad choices, and so is that mother at the park. This week on One Bad Mother, April Fool's Fool, plus Helen Ellis is back to talk about her new book, Southern Lady Code. Woo! Were you fooled? Kinda? Yeah? Yeah. Teresa? Yes. How are you? I'm great because we wrapped up the Max Fun Drive over the weekend and we had an amazing Max Fun Drive, you guys. Yes. We had a great year. We were still waiting for our final totals, but we blew way past our goal, which on this show was, well, originally it was 300 yeah. and we added some stretch goals and now we're now we're <laughs> somewhere past the 600 mark. You guys really knocked it out of the park for us. So yeah, we're very it. happy and very grateful. A lot of stretch goal rewards coming yeah. your way. We got some lip sync battle. Yeah, we're going to do a lip sync battle for you guys. I'll be publicly touching my banjo very soon. Yep. You guys get to pick the songs that Teresa and for I do for lip-sync. our lip sync battle. Yep. You also gonna get to pick the next piece of t-shirt merch that's yep. gonna go into the shop before Mother's Day. Yep. And you also get to weigh in and pick the next city we come to to do our next live show. Yeah. We are gonna we're gonna take it easy, guys. We're gonna yeah. roll these different yeah. tallying yeah. voting things out yeah. over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So keep an eye on Instagram and Facebook. I think if you're not, if you want to get in on voting for those things, I would say if you're not already a member of the closed Facebook group for One Bad Mother, get in there. Just join because I'm guessing most likely that's where we're going to be doing the the city poll for where we're going to go and the merch poll and the, you know, that's where we're going to be voting for these things most likely. So So, uh, get on in there. Get in there. How's everything else? Fine, I guess. I mean, we had actually a pretty good weekend. Jesse took Gracie to San Diego for a baseball game. So I had some, like, he had, he and Grace had some time, and then I had some time with Oscar and Curtis. And that's just always, it's kind of nice. Like, it's kind of easier. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's nice. You know, it was just kind of You only have two kids. I only had two (laughs) kids. But it was just, yeah, it was good. It was some quality time. So, yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm still recovering from a five-year-old's birthday party. Okay. I Guys, they wear me out. Yeah. They are, like, it's it's so much to go to these things, even when it's not your party. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's one of those real reminders that my kid is different than other kids, just like I'm sure it is for every other parent sees their kid and says, my kid's different from other, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it it can trigger Mm. for me Mm. some of the old... You know, should I 
should I want my kid to be more rambunctious? Should I want my kid to be more daring? Should I want, you know, or have I limited my child somehow? Or is this his true personality? You know, like, it's just one of those. Though that said, this was like one of those indoor gymnastic place kind of things. So Mm -hmm. chaos ruled. But Ellis did, for the first time at that event, jump off of things. Oh, great. he's not a jumper. Yeah. And he did some serious jumping. And that is huge. It was really, guys. It, I mean, I know that everybody else is like, I mean, there were kids who were literally, if they could have been on the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Ellis just doesn't want to jump off stuff. It scares him. Yeah. And he did it and then wanted to do it over and over again. And it was like a big deal. It That's was a, a really deal. big deal. Yeah. So, and it was in the evening. It was like a late afternoon oh, thing. So we like yeah. rolled in. Yeah. I just was tired. Yeah. I'm I tired. Really hear that. I'm just I'm I'm really tired. Yeah, and that tiredness is forever. It's forever tired. <laughs> There'll never be a non-tired tired. Yay! Speaking of things that are depressing and off-putting to hear, we're going to talk about April Fools today. <laughs> Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. April Fool's Day. That is a day... That happens. Yeah. And its meaning to us can change Mm -hmm. and evolve or devolve Mm -hmm. (laughs) depending on where you are in your life, how old you are, are you a parent, are you not a parent, what your past experiences were like. So I thought it would be fun because Katie Bell is on spring break. Hi. To have her come in and answer one or two questions about April Fool's. We'll get the hot inside scoop from a nine-year-old. Let's do it. Hi, Katie Bell. Hello, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) Katie Bell, I want to start with, what is April Fool's Day? Well, to me, April Fool's Day, with my nine years of experience, to me, April Fool's Day is sort of like a day where, throughout the year, kids and adults alike depending on who you are, not everyone does this. Right. Throughout the year, gather ideas for pranks, tricks, and practical jokes. Okay. And today is the one day of the year where they have basically full permission (laughs) to let them rip. Oh, all right. Okay, have you ever been on the receiving end of a prank and or have you ever perpetrated a April Fool's Day prank. Yes. Oh, for look both at the of those joy. Questions. Look at the joy on her face for have <laughs> you ever done one? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Um. So first, I was what some call the butt of a joke. Okay. <laughs> um. When farmer far far, my Swedish grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um. They say that. Hey, Katie Bell, have have your parents told you that they, that you're not doing summer break and you're going to go to this like. Several month long summer school. I'm like, what? No, no, they wouldn't do that. Um, and we went back and forth for a while. And then they told me that it was an April Fool's joke. And I got really mad at them. <laughs> I still haven't forgotten. But now I've got two two pranks that I've okay. played. I'm sorry, I just have to. I love 
that the people who have pranked you, Katie Bell, are your own grandparents. Yes. That's yes. amazing. Yes. Go on. And not mine, for the record, which is interesting. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. 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 I've got two pranks that I did. One was actually recently, last year, I think, actually, around this time of year, some holiday or birthday celebration, we had taped balloons onto our fireplace for decoration. Mm-hmm. So we take them off. But my mom, Elizabeth, <laughs> tries to pull the tape off of one of the balloons. And she discovered the hard way that bal- that when you pull tape off balloons, they pop. Mm-hmm. Which my mom doesn't exactly, she doesn't like when balloons pop. She has a very, she does not like when balloons pop. You do not want to see her when balloons pop. It's not a thing you want to see. So one time I played a prank on her where I took a balloon, I put a piece of tape on it, and at the end of the tape, I put a little sticky note that said, pull me on it. And I put it on my mom's side of the bed. And so, she, forgetting what happens, pulls the note, and then oh. it pops. And you I can was... hear her groaning. You yeah. can hear her groaning in the background. Another prank I pulled, this is when I was in first grade, I believe, Aunt Hell Michelle, my aunt, which you'll which will be on the show later. <laughs> so she was going to fly down from New York to come visit us. And I had said, while we were driving home, this is April Fool's Day, I had said, Hey Mama, oh um, Aunt Hell Michelle, uh, she called the school today and said that she um her flight was canceled. Um she wouldn't be coming. And my mom's like, What? What what what? Ma- Mama do your reaction to what? And I say, April Fools. And then, Mama, you do your reaction, which was, this was your reaction when I, thank you, when I said April Fools. Katie Bell Lawrence, I don't want to be April Fooled. As you can see, it didn't exactly go well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Katie But Do you like being on the receiving end of an April Fools I joke? I do not, because most of the time I can predict when someone is April Fooling me, mm. and then I have to and then I don't want to hurt the feelings, so I have to act like I don't predict it. And it's kind of right. hard and frustrating. I'm, like, acting like I don't get it, and I don't like doing that. So mm. I don't ex- especially like being the butt of a joke. Right. So. Well, thank you very much, Katie Bell. That was very insightful. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. So there you have it. From the horse's mouth, what April Fool's Day is all about. Enjoying this, is, I think this is actually spot on. It's enjoying playing mm-hmm. pranks or jokes or something silly on others, but not being on the yeah. receiving end. Yep. And by the way, that balloon thing mm-hmm. where I pulled the that is it is definitely one of those moments. I went into the bedroom, I see this balloon in my bed with a note that says, Pull me. And I did not think about the fact that it was going to pop. I thought, oh, Katie Bell's done something. And like, whenever we don't follow through, it's like super horrible. You're playing along. Right. Yeah. And it popped. Yeah. And that's when I knew that she had done that on purpose. That that was a real prank. Yeah. I was proud and horrified. (laughs) So what are are your 
Tell me about April Fool's Day, Teresa style. Oh, we don't do April Fool's Day. And I'm going to put it off as long as possible. Luckily, today, my kids don't have school. So Mm. they don't know that, like, there's nobody to tell them about April Fool's Day except for me. Mm. And I'm not, or Jesse, and we're not going to tell them. Right. Because we have kids (laughs) who will not really understand what the parameters of that are. And it really is not, I mean, it's no. just not, I'm no. not interested where to see where that goes. Yeah. Like, it's not fun to me. No, you have kids who enjoy some mischief. Yes. From what I recall of stories you have en- shared on the enjoy show. Enjoy mischief sometimes. Other times, it's just like compulsive. It's yeah. not like they're enjoying it. They're just doing, doing something <laughs> to do something. And they have a lot of trouble with like impulse control right. and like not doing those things. So, yeah, April Fool's Day, I'm not super into it. I It does just make me think about all the ways, though, that like kind of we as adults end up being the butt of our kids jokes a lot of the time like just in life um I mean like you're a parent April fool like I was just thinking about like how every time I try to use Siri to Mm. draft a text when my kids are there they have to interrupt and ruin the text by like screaming butt And then as soon as I try to, like, once I get it right and I try to send it, they're like, no, don't send, Siri. No, Like, they're just, like, doing everything they can to, like, fuck with me, basically. Yeah. You know? Like, that's basically what they're doing. And as Katie Bell says, April Fool's Day is permission permission to double fuck. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I personally don't. Not into it. Did you? Yeah. As a kid? Were you into it? Do you have any memories as a child of April Fool's? Like, was, was your family? My family was not that into it. I do. I did have a really good friend growing up whose family was super into it. And I just thought I delighted in that. Yeah. Like, kind of taking part in my friend doing that at her house. Like, yeah. they knew all the things like short sheeting beds yeah. and like putting the rubber band around the um, sprayer in the <laughs> kitchen so that when you turn on the faucet, you get sprayed right wow. in the front of your shirt. Like, just like all those kind of little like yeah. classic things Classics. that you can do. And that I think like if you're going to have a culture around that yeah. in your family, it's kind of that's kind of like the best way to do it yeah. because everybody is having fun and yeah. like it's not targeted at any one person. It's like just everybody's getting screwed with and like you kind of are enjoying even when you right. are the butt of somebody's joke cuz everybody's in on it. Yeah, you know? I feel like for one thing I feel like my kids have to be a certain age if we're going to yeah. introduce sure. any sort of April Fool yeah. culture. Because, like, you know, there's this whole developmental window, even at five, where, like, this. I feel like, especially with, like, Ellis's disposition, mm-hmm. it would be crushing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there wouldn't yeah. be. like it, and And it's... I love, there's like a thread on Facebook where people are talking about what they're doing for April Fool's Day. And some people really have this down. And it's fun and funny. And like you said, it's part of their family culture. Mm -hmm. For me, when I think of April Fool's Day, it's always like any joke I can think of or any like thing that I think happened to me, all is cruelty. To me, Mm -hmm. April Fool's Day is a day to be deeply cruel. Mm. (laughs) To people like... 
Well, first of all, like in school, if somebody ever, my only memories of April Fool jokes being played on me usually involved guys or girls, you know, playing with my emotions, telling me that mm. somebody had a crush on me right. or somebody was going to ask me out. Horrible. April, yeah, you know, Horrible. like with the whole setup of yeah. notes and ugh, just torture. Yeah. yeah, You know, teachers always were pretty fun. You're going to have a test today. You oh, know, yeah, April yeah, Fool. Yeah. Like they make you do the whole right. test and then it doesn't count towards anything. <laughs> Those are good. Um, but like in my family, it was always about trying to get the other person. Uh-huh. Like get them. Like I'll let my sister share some of her memories. Okay. But this is an example of like the humor that my specifically my father thought was very funny. Okay. And so not even a lot of stuff didn't even happen on April Fools. This was just the kind of stuff that yeah. happened all the time and pretty sure I haven't shared this. He had a conference out in Los Angeles. I was probably 11 or 12 and I got to go with him uh, like I was a trip. Yeah. And we're at the airport and he says, "Let's play a joke on your mother." And I was like, "All right." So, you know, these are payphone days, right? Yeah. So, he calls from one phone to her at her office and says, Helen, I'm going to need you no. to be calm. No, I cannot even take where this I'm, is going. Oh, my I, God. I can't find no. Elizabeth. And then her other line goes off, and I'm standing at a payphone like right next to him, and I go, Mama, it's me. I can't find Papa. And, like, she goes into action. All right, Elizabeth, you stay right where you are. You know, tell me what's around you, blah, 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 blah. And, like, Papa is just still going. And then he's like, oh, we're just kidding. And she's like, God damn, Mike Ellis. And he's like, <laughs> Oh, all right. So that's just a normal day. So then think about April Fool's Day, right? Like it's not there's water in your Coke bottle, April Fool's, or the thing sprayed you. It's (laughs) I'm going to get you. (laughs) To me, that's like everything has this hint of. I'm going to get you. Yeah. And so, like, even Katie Bell in the stupid balloon, I'm just uh-huh. like, God damn it. Yeah. You know? And so, I don't know. Does that feel, like, it feels targeted like, at you yes, in the same it does, way? It yeah, does. it's, like, about you and right. your personal thing that you hate. Yeah, and, like, my personal you thing to, yeah. that I hate. And so, like, yeah. I'm not anti-April Fool's uh-huh. Day on any level. And as a kid, I never thought much about it. It wasn't until later that I was like, I don't think I like that very much. Yeah, you're like, maybe I'm not going to opt in maybe for Maybe I'm not going to opt in going for that. Forward. I know. But d- can I ask you a question yeah. about that? Like, especially with your dad, I feel like there's, there are definitely families, and I feel like this is a common thing with dads, where, like, <laughs> kind of, like, the way that they show love is, like, by a lot of teasing. And, like, mm, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there is, like... There's also families where, like, the family culture is just to make fun of each other relentlessly. And that is how they show that they love each other. That's true. Jesse's dad's family was a little bit like that. And when I remember when Jesse and I first started dating and I started spending time with them, I felt that I'd been welcomed into the family once they started, like, making fun of me. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm curious, like, did you feel at all, like... This is like something special about like Oh, I knew it was something special about our family, <laughs> but not in that way. Okay. You know, it, so yeah, so I think it really depends on I mean when the kids get older, there's a really good chance I will probably mess with them mm-hmm. on some level yeah. that is appropriate for April Fool's Day yeah. and for who they are. Yeah. Right? But like right now at their ages, I mean like Katie Bell, she knows it's April Fool's Day, so she's like, I'm not uh-huh. Like all day we were doing stuff it. like yeah. it's not checks, it's poop. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Like, oh, April Fool. Yeah, you know, like so we do. 
yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. So I think later mm-hmm. I might do something, mm-hmm. but I think right now I'm just gonna. Good. I'm good. I'm good. I got enough leftover April Fools stacked up to have to deal with it. April Fools! I'm gonna go fuck with my children all day. We have a Jumbotron. This Jumbotron is from Alice Connor, author of How to Human, an Incomplete Manual for Living in a Messed Up World. Woo! Alice Connor has her second book coming out July 2019, which is pre-orderable now. It's called How to Human, an Incomplete Manual for Living in a Messed Up World. She wanted to say fucked up world, but her editor said no. It's got such pearls of wisdom as do shit on purpose and it's okay to feel your feelings. (laughs) You can also check out more of her stuff at aliceconnor.com. So buy her book called How to Human Wherever Books Are Sold. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Care.com, dedicated to giving you an easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family when and where you need it. Care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. Whether you need childcare while you're at work or you need to line up a sitter for a special kid-free date night, Care.com is there for you. Plus, you can find housekeepers, dog walkers, tutors, errand runners, and senior care. All the benefits are there. Biz and I both have premium memberships. To save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, Visit care.com slash mother when you subscribe. That's care.com slash mother for 30% off a premium membership. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Well, last week, I was going about my business (laughs) in the morning on a Tuesday morning when I heard the trash truck coming up the street. And I thought to myself, huh, I didn't put the trash bins in the street last night. I wonder if Jesse did. And by the time I had shoes and a shirt on, I was outside and it had already driven past my house and my trash can was on in the street and it was a full trash can. You know, you have to wait a week. Um, And so he went up the street and something was going on with the can at like three houses up or something and so he was out of the truck doing something with it and I was like fuck it I'm just gonna try so I like (laughs) ran down there and I was like do you think that you might be in a really nice way and he's like I can't hear you I can't because you know the noise of the traffic and stuff and I was like not giving up not giving up right convinced him 
to cut to back up. Wow. And get our trash. Wow. And he was nice about it. And I just felt like a yes. real champ for my family. Good job. Got that trash picked yeah. up. <laughs> Guys, guess what I just did? I, went back I did. I, I went back in with like my <laughs> arms up. Like I did it, guys. Good job. Yeah, very Thanks. good job. So somebody on our Ask Us Anything asked, like, is there have you had any it get better it gets better moments mm, like with mm-hmm. your family? And I shared one and that and I'm I want to talk about it again. And that was just that like I found myself in this really Beat place, and I wanted to do like grill out pizzas in the backyard, you know, uh, routines and schedules be damned. Mm-hmm. And like everybody was involved, and we had this really nice time. And in particular, there was this moment where Ellis, who always wears socks, he is not a barefoot kid in the house, in bed. He, the first thing that has to go on his feet are, are socks. And he was playing outside barefoot. And I don't, it's so, again, it's like the jumping off the thing. Everybody's like barefoot kids. But for me, I just turned to Stefan and I was like, I just love seeing him without shoes on. Yeah. Like, I, that makes me so happy. And this whole thing worked Aww. and was really nice. That's so nice. Yeah, it was really, it, it's less of a genius moment, more of a like, oh, I'm enjoying my family. Aww. I know. It was nice. So good. It was nice. His little feet. Good job. Thanks. Hey, one bad mother. This is a genius moment. I have an 11-month-old daughter, and last night was my first night away from her. Well, technically, my husband took her to go visit his parents, and I stayed home by myself, and I slept, and I ate ice cream, and I watched TV, and I am sitting in my bed right now. I've been awake for an hour and a half, and nobody has asked me to do anything because I am alone, and it's amazing, and I'm so happy. I miss her so much, but, oh, my God, I slept, you guys. I slept. <laughs> Thank you. You're doing a good job. So good. It's so good. Look, we get a lot of these, so I don't yeah. play them all the time, but sometimes I'm just like, we really need to play them to yes. remind people that, this could happen. Yeah. And to enjoy, like, and to do it, like, to do the things that you want to do. Like, what I like is that what's genius about this is she's just saying, I just lay there and I ate ice cream and I slept. I didn't, like, overdo. I just... Way to yeah. appreciate the moment. Enjoy that. Yeah. Like, that's, enjoy it's hard to it do is. that. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah, it is. And you did it. Good job. Good job. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Okay. So this is a long-running fail. <laughs> we, um, like, you know, we try to be really body positive in our house. And so <laughs> Curtis is too... And his vocabulary is pretty limited. But, you know, when he was a baby and we'd be changing his diaper and sometimes he would, like, try to reach down, we'd say, like, yucky, no touch when we're, like, cleaning a really dirty diaper. Just in that moment. You know, like, he can do whatever when he's clean, you know. But for some reason, the idea that down there is yucky has stuck in his brain. And so now (laughs) his private parts are ucky. And whenever mm. anybody else is changing or using the bathroom, he wants to point out that that person's <laughs> private area is also ucky. That's nice. ucky. Nice. This is ucky. Mine is ucky. They're all ucky. ucky. And it's 
just every time he does it, I, I'm just like, wow. How? And I and I want to be like, no, no, nothing yucky about our our bodies. Yeah. Nothing yucky about our bodies. But then I'm like, oh, but yeah, I told him like a quajillion times. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Last week, I it was Monday. Mm-hmm. I had a really shitty afternoon. I was 100% positive Katie Bell had an after-school program that Mm. day, and so I didn't go to pick her up, and at 3.20, I get this call from the school, and luckily, I answered the phone because I was about to go drive over and just hang out outside of her school. It's donut day. I got to go pick up donuts, Mm. and it's like the school saying, hey, Katie Bell doesn't have that program today and she's waiting her teacher had sent out a note and I was like oh my oh my god I'm I'm coming right I'm coming and I had seen the email I just hadn't read it Mm. I just knew that there was an email from her saying next week's class and I just I didn't read it Uh, and I uh, did not uh, pick up Katie Bell so I go racing over there yeah and then I have to go get Ellis, and I go get Ellis, and when I show up there, he's wearing, like, different clothes than what he started off in school, and it's clothes that have been in his backpack as extra clothes, mm-hmm. but they're so fucking small oh, that yeah. his, like, stomach's hanging out. Right. And, stuff. and I was like, Ellis? He's like, oh, I spilled on my shirt today, so I used this shirt, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> this shirt Wow. I'm just, like, I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, head. I haven't changed this yeah. bag in over a year. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it was hard getting it over my head. Yeah. Here's some ideas for how I'll eventually get it out. And I'm like, like, cut it out. Then, then I burned dinner, full on, just burned the dinner, uh-huh. and then just yelled at my kids all night. Oh, like, no. it was just like one of those oh, things where I was like, yeah. I am. You were feeling bad. I yeah. was feeling bad. Yeah. 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 I didn't like much. I'm so sorry. It's all right. I'm so sorry, Katie Bell. <laughs> Hi there. Um, I'm just calling with an epic fail moment. Uh, so I I live abroad um, in Asia with my husband. We're both expats and we both work full time and he travels a lot. And we have a two-year-old son. And because I work full time, I am already feeling like I'm a massive failure because I don't see him enough. And this evening, I've had one of those weeks where I've been away late at work all week and I've had to leave him with the nanny and he's been crying and shouting every time I leave the house and he's tearful every time I get back from the house and he won't let me put him down even for a fucking second, um, which is fine because that's not his fault because he misses me. Um, but I'm tired too and I have to get up at 5.30 for work and this evening I just put him on the sofa for a second so I could go for a fucking wee and the second I turned my back he fell off and now I've got blood all over my living room because he's bitten his lip and there's blood all over him and all over me and I feel like even more of a failure than I already did Um, so yeah, you guys are doing a great job, and I am doing a horrible job. So, thanks for listening. You are doing a good job. Yeah, you are. That's a lot. That's really it's, hard. Yeah, we. 
I I have been there for sure with the cannot put the child down yeah. ever. Yeah. And we've all put a kid down and turned our back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it, you are not a bad parent. Yeah. You are I was reminding somebody the other day, like I was taking a video of Ellis doing something mm-hmm. fairly dangerous, you know, or harmless. Most children, it would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> something for Ellis, horribly dangerous. And I was like, oh, this is usually in the time that I'm making a video that my child will fall and I'll have captured it on right. tape. This yeah. horrible fail yes. on tape. Yes. Right? And yeah, I I'm so also lips bleed a lot. Oh, they do. And They're it's gushers. so unfair because yeah. you're like this. Actually, like this is like Not... a great part of your body to get hurt yeah. because it heals really fast. Yep. It's like totally fine, but it's a gusher, and it doesn't hurt that bad right yeah. there either. But yes, blood and blood makes you feel bad. Yeah, oh, blood always makes you feel yeah. bad. Yeah. So I just want to say you're actually not a failure. Yeah. You are doing a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. But maybe you should just not pee again. Yeah. How about that? Everybody, you're no longer no allowed to pee no anymore. Peeing. Just no hold more it, guys. Hold Forever. It. Forever. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Calming Comfort by Sharper Image, the luxurious weighted blanket that helps you relax so you can fall asleep and stay asleep naturally. You guys, if you've never tried a weighted blanket, they're totally amazing. We have a calming comfort um, weighted blanket. And what I've been using it for is my mom comes to visit and she sleeps downstairs where it's really cold, like way colder than the rest of the house. And this blanket is really, really comforting for her. And, you know, weighted blankets are super helpful for anybody who has trouble, like, calming down at bedtime. I don't know any kids who have trouble calming (laughs) down at bedtime, do you, Biz? No. Yeah, Grace and Oscar both use weighted blankets at bedtime, and they're amazing. The Calming Comfort Weighted Blanket comes with a 90-day, anxiety-free, stress-free, best night's sleep of your life guarantee from Sharper Image. Right now, just for listeners, you can go to calmingcomfortblanket.com, use promo code BADMOM at checkout to receive 15% off the displayed price. Hey, everybody. We're about to get into our interview with my sister, Helen Ellis. A quick note, the interview contains a brief but specific description of a gruesome crime involving a pregnant woman. If you think you'd rather not listen to that, skip from minute 49 to minute 53. Thank you, guys. And as always, you're doing a good job. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. This week, we are calling Helen Ellis, who is the New York Times best-selling author of American Housewife and Eating the Cheshire Cat. Raised in Alabama, she lives with her husband in New York City. You can find her on Twitter at What I Do All Day and Instagram at American Housewife or on the phone with Katie Bell when it's time for chitty-chatting because she's my sister. Hello, Helen Michelle. Woo! Woo! 
I do enjoy a chitty chat. Oh, she does enjoy a good chitty chat. We're going to go a couple of places before we get into your new book, Southern Lady Code. I want to start by asking you what we've asked before and we will ask again, and that is who lives in your house? Who lives in my house? My darling husband, Lex, (laughs) and my darling cat, Big Boy, and my darling cat, Tang Tang, who are both named after restaurants. <laughs> Big That's boy. who lives in the house. That is so. And me. And you. And two plants. <laughs> and lovely wallpaper. <laughs> yes, I do enjoy. I am a wallpaper person. I admit it. <laughs> so I want to ask you, we talked earlier, Teresa and I, about April Fool's Day. And Katie Bell even shared some opinions on April Fool's Day. And, in fact, you just pulled an April Fool's joke on me before uh, the interview. And I, you know what? I'm just going to put that at the end of the show after the closing credits, everybody. So you just, as a little, as a little treat. What are your memories of April Fool's Day in our house growing up? All right. I will tell you the ultimate April Fool's that first comes to mind. Papa calls. It's probably 15 years ago. Papa calls the house. Hello, Michelle. I have some good news. Your mother and I entered the lottery. We won $4 million. We're going to give you a million and give your sister a million. I was like, oh, what? (laughs) April Fool's. So... Again, this must have been a much, this must have been over twenty years ago because the next year I called Papa on April Fool's Day. Papa, guess where I'm calling from? Where? Las Vegas. I just got married. <laughs> <laughs> and he's what? <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> I like to really, <laughs> we like to really go for the. Gut punch. That's right. Oh, that's a that's, that's a much better way of saying. saying. No, but that's exactly what you said. I, just did I say gut punch? You said it in a different way, but like that that jives exactly yeah. with how you described <laughs> it. I, I said an air of cruelty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I will tell you that someone in my life who's been a friend of mine for 20-something years after having read the book says, you know, your mother fucked you up, but your father just liked to fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> and not to go to the book or anything, but as I, in one moment in Southern Lady Code, there is a moment where I talk about our grandfather, mm-hmm. Grandpapa, and how if you didn't write your thank you notes, you stopped getting birthday presents. Yep. And birthday present was money, which was like the exact amount of money for your age. So at 13, you got $13. At 40, you got $40. And you did not write your thank nope. you notes. To, so to really stick it to you, he sent you birthday cards, you know, with the hole cut yeah. out for the money with no money in it. Oh, yeah. I remember that story. Good story. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yes. Let's, we like to teach a lesson. Well, let's get into teaching lessons and sharing all of our personal family secrets. And yes. get into your new book, which is called Southern Lady Code and comes out this month in just a couple of weeks. It's the 16th, yes. right, that it comes out? April 16th. April yes, 16th. Just in time for Mother's Day. That's and right. season. <laughs> so... I want to first start with having you define for those who may not be familiar with the term Southern Lady Code. Well, I made it up. (laughs) (laughs) And in my opinion, Southern Lady Code 
is if you don't have something nice to say, say something not so nice in a nice way. So, for example, I would say she's maybe you (laughs) are an archivist, which means hoarder. (laughs) Or she's a character, which means drunk. (laughs) You just say nice, you know, something nice, uh, something not so nice in a nice way. And it it is very, well, I guess that is. We've always talked about that, that in the South, there was lots of, you say it like it's uh, a nice thing, but it's obviously some sort of insult. <laughs> I feel like I learned a skill from you yeah. that is that. that when, is, when I'm talking to my kids sometimes oh, about, like, yes. upsetting things, yeah. like, I totally mm-hmm. got, like, how to talk about what after, what happens after you die from oh, you, Miz, because you're like, Ooh. well, some people believe <laughs> that you this happens or this happens. Some people believe you just say it with this energy of, like, yeah, this is just how it is. Yeah, Isn't that great? <laughs> we actually, because hell, um, I Hello, Michelle, in relation to the book, you had a podcast out called Southern Lady Code, which is delightful, and we're going to talk about it some more. But Katie Bell and I were on the way over here listening, uh, (laughs) re-listening to some of the episodes, and you had Southern Lady Code, he's a a night owl, and Mm -hmm. a lot of it involved basically signs that you may be missing that he's a serial killer. And (laughs) Katie Bell's like, what's a serial killer? And I did it. I did it the same way. Well. Yeah, a serial killer. Um, (laughs) He eats. He eats a lot of Lucky Charms. That's right. (laughs) That's not what I said. So anyway, I want to get into the book first, Southern Lady Code. Your last book was a collection of essays called American Housewife, and while they definitely had your voice, they were fiction. Why did you decide to do a collection of essays that are true this time? When American Housewife came out. Those, in fact, were what we would call short stories. Yes. And because of the book coming out, various editors reached out to me and said, oh, would you like to write about how to write a thank you note? Or would you like to write about how to cater a party like it's 1979, like it's your grandmother's? And they would be true. And I just lied and said, yes, I would, you know, I can do it. I can do that. I've never, I've never written nonfiction outside of, you know, the ninth grade (laughs) composition class. And as I was writing them, I found out, well, this is very easy just to tell the truth. And so, (laughs) you know, and so I wrote this piece that ended up going into the New York Times modern love section called Making a Marriage Magically Tidying about how I became a recovering slob and a sort of dominatrix Donna Reed to save my marriage um, because I am, as you would say, a creative woman, which means I am a slob. Um, and it got a really huge response, unlike anything I'd ever even experienced with the collection. And I thought, well, I would like to write more true stories. And my agent and I went to my editor and publishing house and said, would you like to pay for this? (laughs) And they said, yes, we would. And they said, well, can you write it in nine months? And I said, I just, you know, again, brazen lying. Yes, of course I can. Um, And I did. (laughs) Um, And I, and every time I would write one, like I wrote, you know, I would, I wrote a piece on, our mother called an Emily Post for the apocalypse, yes, which explains how our mother goes way beyond the norm of say please and thank you and choose 
with your mouth closed. There's etiquette for, oh, Helen Michelle, you're going to visit your husband's grandmother after she has her leg amputated. <laughs> Don't sit in the flat spot where her leg used to be. You know, so I would write these essays, and every time I would turn one into my friends, Ann and Hannah, who are both writers and who have read my work for the last 20-something years, I have hard copy of the first page or the last page where they would write, tell, you know, write an essay about that Halloween party, you know, or, or write an essay about, you know, when you smoked pot. So they, you know, things that they had heard a million times. And I just thought, oh, this is just a lot easier than, <laughs> than making things up. So, um, <laughs> That's what I did. Well, I got it. And of course, asking your permission. Well, yeah. Now she was. You. I will say there are some things that are in the book that are about us and yes. Kate Bell's in the book, and yes. you did ask permission. And I, for me, reading these stories, it was one of those things where, again, I think our family is completely normal. <laughs> and then, you're like you know, you pass it over to Stefan or somebody to read it, and. It's like, you guys did what? And we are going to get into that in a second. But I wanted to say, for me reading it, when it was all complete, I'd read all the stories like individually as you sent mm-hmm. them to me. But then when I reread it all together, it's a little like reading a journal. And and mm-hmm. while you are my sister and many of the stories I knew, there were other times where I felt like I was learning something brand new. Like the book was answering questions that I hadn't asked or, or maybe mm-hmm. was afraid to ask. And... I know in particular there's a story that you write about that I think actually a lot of our listeners would really like to hear about, and that's the one about not having kids. And I was wondering, I I will admit, that was a question I always was like, well, she'll tell me if she ever wants to have kids. I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to ask, you know, like it's not my business, but it was always well, like... Well, to be honest with you, it is your business. You are my sister. Well, you I know, but... I would have told you. Well, I know, but there was part of it like, I don't know, you have kids, and then you're like, if I talk about having kids or asking, I never know what I'm opening, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I love you. I don't want to, you know, do anything that might hurt your, mm-hmm. hurt you, but it was, but that clearly was my baggage. So will you talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Yeah, well, and it's it's something that, so I'm 48, and I've been married for 24 years. Um, and we, it was a very conscious decision for us not to have children. We definitely entertained the idea, like I might entertain the idea of taking a pottery class. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's something very natural that you would think about. And there were many reasons why we didn't have children, and I explore them in the essay. And it's something I'd wanted to write about for a long, long time, they kept having conversations with women in their 30s who would come to me at 10 years older than them saying, how is it not having children? You know, they were really on the fence, and I kept counseling 30-something-year-old women saying, it's wonderful. (laughs) 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 You know, let me tell you about my day. (laughs) Like, let me tell you what I did yesterday. And this is for yesterday. I went up for a walk around the reservoir with my friend and then we had hot chocolate and then I came home and then I had a bath at around 12 o'clock in the (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) And then um, I had a nice private time with my husband in the late afternoon. (laughs) And then we ordered supper 
and watch television and went to sleep. It was just the most lovely day. Uh, and, um, Everybody has turned the podcast off yeah. now. And when American Housewife came out, in American Housewife, each story is about a housewife, and none of the characters have children, and Mm -hmm. that was very intentional of me. And people kept asking me to write about it because of that, and I just was never there yet. And the piece was actually the last piece I wrote for the essay collection Mm -hmm. because I sort of was getting my nerve up, getting my nerve up. It's something I always wanted to write about because at 24 or at 38, it's an essay I would have liked to have read to make myself feel a little bit mm. more at ease. So I ended up sort of working at my nerve, and I talked to you about it, yeah. I know, before I did it. And I wrote it in an afternoon. It came <laughs> out very, very quickly. I barely changed a word of it, and it is my favorite. It is my favorite piece because, you know, at the end of the piece, I talk about why we didn't have children and... It ends with the thought of, you know, I already have it all. Yeah. And, you know, children were never a part of that. And my husband and I, just the two of us, well, I don't want to say just the two of us, the two of us are a family. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, it's a, it's a really lovely and wonderful piece that's also amazingly not judgmental. Mm-hmm. On either it side. Is, uh, you yeah, know, it's I, your I always, story. I thought about writing it, as I said to because I, I talked to my husband about it, because, you know, it's very private. Yeah. Um, and and it wasn't like we tried. You know, like, it yeah. really wasn't, it wasn't like, this is not a story of, of miscarriages. It's not a story of, it's not a sad story. It's a very, what I kept saying and what we said to each, I have said to each other on many occasions is, it's a surprise. It's the nicest surprise of our lives, not having children. <laughs> That's so good. That's I so don't good. like yours. I know. Surprise. My life my is darling different. Precious, my <laughs> darling, precious niece and nephew. <laughs> Was there anything where any of the stories really actually bounce around quite a bit from stories like that to, you know, I, I kind of describe it as like, the collection is like walking into a room of Jack in the Boxes, but instead of Jacks <laughs> popping out, live snakes come it. out. I love that. You know, like at first, some of the stories seem sort of light and frivolous, and then you're about halfway through, and it's like layered with this dark and biting commentary, which I love. And again, it seems totally normal to me. Was there anything, you've said that that was your favorite piece. Was there anything that you weren't sure you wanted to include or that you found hard to write about besides the the one we just talked about? The hardest piece to write about is a piece called Serious Women. Mm-hmm. And it's about me attending one of my friends. Okay, it's about me attending a murder trial. I went because a friend of mine is an assistant district attorney for the Bronx. And she is very high up and rarely tried the case. And so she was going to try this big, very famous case. It was called the Womb Raider case, W-O-M-B. You know, here's children again, about a woman who lured, who, it's about a woman who faked her own pregnancy. When she got to nine months, lured a truly pregnant woman to her house, 
murdered her and took out the baby and tried to claim it as her own. And I am saying all of this right now in a very delicate way because it was the most vicious thing I ever saw. And I went to watch my friend give her opening remarks. And I was so overwhelmed by the case And I was so overwhelmed by the fact that I had no idea what my friend did for a living. Like, it just put this woman in a whole new light. I'd known her forever. And I said to her, can I come back the next day? Yes. Can I come back the next day? Yes. And I ended up coming for the full, every day for the full two-week trial and then back for sentencing. And I immediately knew I wanted to write about it, but I wasn't sure, you know, what what is the story you know and it was really unnerving for me because they are real people you know i'm writing about my friend who's certainly given me permission to write about the experience but the, there is a real victim in this and there's a real killer in this and you know i'd never written about such a thing before and it took me probably 6 months to write a million drafts it was the is the hardest piece to write whereas you know, free to be you and mean child free. I wrote an afternoon, and this just took me months because I couldn't figure out what the point was. And then I figured it out. Yes. <laughs> and then I figured it out. So that was. Should I kept asking, "Am I going to include it? Am I not going to include it?" Because it did just. It made me maybe take a look at myself as well. You know, this is a. It's called serious women because everybody in the courtroom was a woman. The judge the prosecutor, the defense, the murderer, the victim, the bailiff. I mean, it's this room of serious women trying a horrifying case. And here I am, this, as, you know, this silly woman in the back, <laughs> you know, setting off a metal detector with my hair clip, um, you know, in my side time writing about cheese logs and ghosts, you know, and here I am sitting in this room just trying to figure out how I can help. And I did figure out how I could help. And and that was good, but uh, it was it was just something else. I mean, it was, it was me falling in love with a friend who I'd known for so long in a new light. It's a very powerful piece. I actually really <laughs> loved that piece, and it's such a contrast to things like your Halloween party that <laughs> Mama and Papa I mean, threw. Nice. For you. Birthday party. <laughs> Your birthday party, because you were these two days before Halloween, that uh, was incredibly fucked up. I actually, I wanted you to tell the story, but then I was like, you know what? Actually, I, I really feel like it is a, a real highlight if you go get this book <laughs> to read this story and insight into who our parents are and what they thought were good choices. <laughs> for I us. agree. For I us. agree. Let's just say that it's about a party faux pas that is much, much worse than sticking a baby roof bar in a punch bowl. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that if it happened today, you would be reading newspaper articles about child services being called. <laughs> if, it, if it happened today, our father might be in jail. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if it happened today, yeah. it would be viral. Uh, yeah. It would there would it, it, it would be there would never, be debates on it. There would yeah. be hot on, takes, hot hot takes. There'd be yeah. a lot of hot <laughs> takes on it. Yeah. So there is there's an honesty and confidence in these stories about who you are, who you surround yourself with, and who your family is, which is something that I think it takes all of us a while to get there if we ever get to that place. And <laughs> I've had the you know privilege of pretty much reading everything you've ever put out including, you know, a lot of earlier stories that didn't get picked up. And I, mm-hmm. I just was wondering if you could talk a little bit about 
how your confidence and acceptance in yourself is reflected, has evolved as your writing has evolved? Uh, you know, you say that you, you know, you've read everything I've written. That includes three novels that were never published. Yep. Never published. And I have to say, failure, <laughs> so much failure has helped me with my confidence now. You know, before American Housewife, my first book came out in 1999, and then there was 15 years of failure. And then a long gap where I wasn't writing at all, and I just kind of figured out who I was without the writing. And I'm, for, like I say, I'm 48 now, and I'm just not as concerned <laughs> you know, with what people think of me. And, you know, when I wrote this collection, my motto to myself was, I'll be honest and funny and kind. And that goes for me, too. I'll be kind to myself. So mm. this is not a self-derogatory no. book, and it's not a insulting book to the South or anyone in it. You know, I had this attitude, and I say it in the acknowledgments, that every essay was a love letter. So it was a love letter to you, you know, in the ghost experience. You know, it's a love letter to my to my grandfather, our grandfather in a room of one's own that's full of gay men. It's a love letter to my my husband in the Topeka Three-Way. <laughs> you know, it's a love letter to my friend Meredith in Serious Women. You know, every piece is from love. And, you know, Teresa, you said earlier, like, you had learned how to talk to your child about what happens after you die in this kind of, like, sing-songy voice. Well, some people believe this and some people believe this. And for me, I, you know, and Elizabeth, you said earlier that I could get a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of medicine (laughs) wrapped up in something sweet. And with being funny and kind in the essays, it let me be honest. You know, it's, you know, it's sort of like wearing a pearl bracelet bracelet with a pair of brass knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be Mama's apocalyptic advice. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, again, I, after having so much failure, it's hard to hurt me. You know, it's just hard to hurt me because I've, I've been hurt and I'm well on the other side of it. And, um, you know, when you've survived, you know, failure or, or various blows, um, various life disappointments, you realize that you come out, you know, you get to the other side of it and you're just very happy and you know you'll, you'll make it through. Yeah, and, and just I just want to say that I think above all it is I still find this collection to be a real love letter to our parents. It's true. Who we are, Helen Michelle and I have always said, first thing out of our mouths is we are very lucky (laughs) (laughs) or as weird and as fucked up as some of the things they thought were funny were. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was, it was all good. It was Mm -hmm. all, all good. And I mean, the reason I think you can write like this is because, you know, tell us what mama told you. Well, I think what you're going to tell me is that she always said to me, if you worry about what your mama will think, you'll never be a writer. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she also yeah. said, oh, if you want to write about a dead body, we'll drive over to the mortuary. I'll crawl inside a casket and pull my breath. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, the best. Well, we've got to wrap up, but I do want to send everybody, I, I have to tell people, if you are looking for a little eight minutes of heaven, give or take, um, <laughs> you could go find Southern Lady Code podcast, wherever you download your podcast, where Helen Michelle has written all new original pieces of, of examples of Southern Lady Code. And <laughs> don't listen to them with your kids, even though I listen to them with Katie Bell. It's my family and I can mess my <laughs> child up however I want to. But they're really very funny. And I find all of it to be just a new style of etiquette guide for all of us. <laughs> so everybody should check out Southern Lady Code and Helen's Twitter, What I Do All Day, and American Housewife, and pre-order her book now wherever you buy books. And <laughs> Helen Michelle, this was lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for writing this book. I still, even after having read everything multiple times, I still pick it up and laugh out loud at at different parts of the story, especially the ghost stories and, and how we do ghosts. So. Well, thank you for being my, always being my first and favorite reader. As you know, the book is dedicated to you. Yes! <laughs> I know it is. Uh, all right. We will link everybody up to where they can get their copy and where they can follow Helen. And I'm the only one who calls her Helen Michelle. <laughs> thank you, Helen. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, this is J. Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself, a live game show here on the Maximum Fun Network. Make sure to listen to our next episode of Go Fact Yourself with guest Kurt Brownowler. I did a show in Flagstaff, Arizona, where the venue just didn't list that the show existed. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and I and it is the smallest crowd that I've ever done a full hour of stand-up for. It was three people. Oh wow. my god. And Sarah Schaefer. Yes, I love crafting. It's my hobby. I have a craft nook in my home. You do? I do. It has all my supplies displayed in an adorable manner. Wow. (laughs) Yes. uh, Yes, applause. Applause for a nook. That's Go Fact Yourself here at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Is there a dog in a car at a bar on the street? Yay! I'm Allegra Ringo, a small dog owner. My dog Pistachio howls when she's excited. And I'm Renee Culvert, a big dog owner. My dog Tugboat tips over when he's sleepy. And we co-host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog that airs every Tuesday. We bring you all things dog. Yes, dog news, dog tech, dogs we met this week. We also have pretty famous guests on Butt Legs. We're not going to let them talk about their projects. No. Just want to hear about those dogs. We don't want to hear about your stuff, only your dogs. So join us every Tuesday on Max Fun. fun yeah super fun it's super fun she's about to go on book tour guys and i'll also link uh you up to where you might be able to go see her especially in the south and for fun i will tag on the end after the credits Helen michelle's little <laughs> april fool's joke that she i walked right into 
like a closed door. So that was fun. Southern Lady Code. You know what also is fun and sort of like walking into a closed door? <laughs> Listening to a mom have a breakdown. This is a rant. I think I just called actually to hear you tell me that I'm doing a great job. I spent two hours this morning unsuccessfully trying to register my kids for summer camp uh, because, you know, it's February and in the middle of a blizzard, so time to think about summer camp. Didn't work. I don't know what I'm going to do now for those, like, four weeks. I couldn't get into the system. It kept logging me out. Two hours of my life gone, late for school drop-off, late for work. I was also, you know... Obviously, trying to do 16,000 other things at the same time. Forgot their water bottles. Had to go and buy them water, which made me even later for work. And then I was dropping off the water, and someone in the admin office asked me when I'm due. And I had to say, never. Never do. Not having any more kids ever. And then we had that horrible, awkward moment where she was like, oh, um, I don't know what to say. And I was like, I don't know what to say. We both felt terrible, but um, I uh, I just thought, well, I feel like this is a sign I should just lie down in the snow somewhere and, uh, you know, just just wait out the day. I think it's just not a day I should have woken up for. <sighs> I hope everyone's having a better day than I am. Thank you for letting me rant. Uh, I, might, I might save my tears for later, but I'm sure they'll come in. Okay. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Thanks. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. It's exactly what I'm talking about. How do people get anything done? Like, all of us are having that same day. Yeah. It could be any number of those exact type of things. Like, we're all having that day. And and it always starts like the football in Charlie Brown, where you think, look at me. Yeah. I'm going to get ahead of something. And I'm going to take care of it. Yeah. Early bird discount. Few minutes yeah. of matam. Yeah. That's gonna be it. Yeah. And then like dominoes. Yep. One thing after another, after another, yes. after another. And then people it'll just throw some insult yeah. in as well. Yeah. Just uh and like awkwardness. Oh. So awkward. And so somewhere in the middle of that, you get to that place where you're like, I'm just done. Yeah. Like, I still have so much I have yeah. to do. Yeah. And I haven't even gotten to work yet. No. Like it's so unfair. It's you're it's you're so, so screwed up, guys. <laughs> you are doing a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. You are. You really are. For real. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This is why like parents go crazy later and they're like, you yeah. want to like yell at your grown children? Yeah. I the water yeah. bottles all the fucking times I had to yeah. bring back that fucking water. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. you can't call me. Looking forward to saying that one day. You are doing an amazing job. Yes, you are. Teresa, what did we learn today? We learned that parenting is easy and effortless. And if you're having a hard time at it, it's your fault. April fools. (laughs) We learned that, you know, I don't know. April fool. I don't know. You either like it or you don't. Yeah. You're either the fool or... Or the fooler. And like most things, it's better to be one than the other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
We also learned that my sister's a delight. Yep. And if you want to know more about the family secrets, you should go check out Southern Lady Code. And finally, we have learned that we have amazing, supportive listeners. Mm-hmm. We want to thank everybody again for all the different ways you show us support. Uh, you showed us support during the Max Fun Drive from just tweeting or sharing on social media why you listen to the show, for listening to the show during those two weeks, and for either being longtime supporters of the show as members or becoming upgrading or new members this year. It is a big deal, and we really appreciate every bit of support that you guys give us. Uh, We've said it before. We do not take it lightly, and we are really looking forward to this year and being able to keep doing the show. So thank you so very much. Thank you, guys. You guys are doing a remarkable job. You are. Teresa? Yes. You are doing a very good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. All right, we will get started in a second. And when Hannah tells us we can get Well, I have to tell up. you, oh, yes. I have a little bit of news. Oh. It's good news. What is it? Are you ready? Yes. Reese Witherspoon picked it for her book club. Sack of garbage! Whoa. I was thinking... That is so <laughs> awesome! April oh. oh, sack of fucking garbage. <laughs> she did it. She did it to me. She did it. She did it. She got you. And I was like, I was going to wait till you are sure you're recording. And then I'm like... Do you want to cancel the interview? I can't. I <laughs> yeah, Teresa's asking if I just want to go ahead and cancel the interview. <laughs> and I said, yes. <laughs> oh, right. It's okay. It's so fun. (laughs) Isn't that fun? All right. (laughs) Let's do the show and then we can talk about how fun April Fool's Day (laughs) is in our house. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.